0: listeners, to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have familiar faces all around. It's like a welcome back home episode here today on uh, Whisper in the Wings. Joining us, we have co-artistic directors, Martha Lorena Preve and Jimmy Lovett, who is also the curator of this year's 2023 Queerly Festival as well as Artistic Director Ara Ziv, all of these wonderful people, of course, with Frigid New York. And they're all joining us today to speak to us about the 2023 Queerly Festival being presented by Frigid New York, which is running June 15th through July 3rd at under St. Mark's and the Crane Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting frigid.nyc. Another amazing um, festival coming to you from Frigid New York. We'll be bringing it to you here on Stage Whisper as well. But with that, let's go ahead and welcome, essentially family at this point, back in. Uh, Jim welcome back to Whisper in the Wing from Stage Whisper. Thank, Thank you. you. I, I mean, I feel like I, at this point, you guys, you can have your own show. I mean, this is like, <laughs> We're on the, at this point. <laughs> But I'm so excited to have you back. Another amazing festival happening with Frigid New York. Every festival you all do is amazing. I love how much I'm discovering about this. And here we are now at the Queerly Festival, which Jimmy, you are curating. So if I could start with you uh, with this, can you tell us a little bit about this festival?
1: I inherited this festival from one of our former artistic directors, Kevin Free. I worked with him on it. For a couple of years before i took it over since he had other artistic things to pursue we miss him but he's doing good stuff out there so yeah i i took that over a couple of years ago this will be my second year curating it i think yeah and it's you know pretty much what it says on the tin it's our lgbtq ai plus etc festival we do it in june to correlate with pride that we do push a little bit past the end of June just to kind of get that like, hey, the gays exist outside of June vibe going. You know, we don't want to be the people who are like, like, all right, it is 12.01 on July 1st, trying to change back all of our icons from those rainbows. We don't want to be those people. (laughs) But yeah, we've got a great lineup. We've got... 16 shows, but one of those shows is actually two shows, just two short pieces being presented together. Almost entirely at The Crane this year, we do have Drag Story Hour, NYC at USM, for a special Juneteenth edition. I'm so excited we get to work with them. Maybe we'll get protested, who
0: knows? <laughs> <laughs> in this day and age, you never know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, Erin, as as the artistic director here with uh, in New York, I want to ask, how did this festival come about?
2: So as the artistic director at the time, we had a lot of festivals brewing and we, you know, there's a lot of people in the city to represent and the queer community is, is large and present and we love working with that community. So it was a natural for us to have a festival like this and we started it I think it was me and Kevin that started it or I think so and then it's been going on for a few years now and Jimmy's been doing a great job with it the last couple of years. Jimmy and Kevin were doing it together for a while which was a really nice combination. So it's a great festival it does really well I think last year was our best year ever it's really a festival that's been growing in leaps and bounds. Amazing.
0: Martha, I'm going to ask you, I I know that Jimmy's the main curator with this, but I'm sure you have a hand in in doing stuff here as well with being the co-artistic director. What has it been like developing this year's festival and getting it all ready?
3: Well, actually, (laughs) I think we're basically here to support Jimmy. I do a lot of the scheduling and like the tech scheduling and like just having our staff and the artists connected with our technical director Hadley and making sure that everyone gets time in the space so that they can know the space and then they can rehearse their show. And I am super excited for this because, well, this is my first year in the, in the core team of Frigid and I'm really excited that we have so many diverse festivals and that this one that we get to celebrate this community and I can't wait to be a part of it. Yeah. But Basically, it's Jimmy making all of the executive decisions for this.
1: Yeah, but you're um, actually making things show up in the space. So. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing
3: I'm going crazy with logistics and trying to trying to fit everything in place. But other than that, yeah,
0: Jimmy, how, what has it been like for you as a curator putting the festival together and developing it? And And what is the process of picking the shows as well?
1: That's a good question. Last year was my first year just doing this by myself. And the process was pretty much, will you please be in my festival? I'm so afraid no one will be there. So it was a lot of just like cold Instagramming people. (laughs) It was like, you do art, would you like to do it here? So like having having had one successful, if I may say so myself, uh, festival under my belt made going into it this year a lot easier. You know, I reached out to some people that We worked with last year, got, I think, two shows who had applied to be in Frigid Fringe and just didn't get pulled, but, you know, they sent us all their info, and I was like, I know where you belong. Come to me. We've got one coming in from this year's Frigid Fringe. Got some that came in as just, we have an application. (laughs) We have an open application form. So some of them just come in through that. We had a couple people actually email, like, like last end of last year being like, Hey, how do I apply for queerly? And I'm like, "Uh, email me in like five months. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean this, this year I was trying to go for a, a more sort of what is the word? I'm trying to go for a sort of a joyful, more celebratory vibe. We did get a couple submissions that were, were very good, but were just really heavy and, you know, the community's been through just so much this year and we're still going through so much that I was just like, you know, we deserve to have a nice time. <laughs> Let's have some fun, you know. So I tried to, tried to, you know, not keep it like fluffy, but, you know, focus on, on some of the positives, you know, always trying to get a really diverse lineup and also trying to get a lot of trans-led and trans-focused shows. Cause again, oh, we've been having a bad year. <laughs>
0: Yes, I mean, yes. (laughs) I wanna bounce back to Martha and start with this and ask what is the message or thought you're hoping the audiences are gonna take away from the festival this year?
3: I think first and foremost, that we are a space that is welcoming of everyone. And we love that, we love that about ourselves. So we hope that everyone feels welcome at a Frigid and like Jim said I hope they take this joy of being who you are as you are and to get to celebrate that and I love that this year is that and as Jimmy was saying like sometimes there are stories that are a little more heavy and perhaps about about the sad part or about the trauma that that this community has experienced and I think definitely to have something that celebrates the joy of being who you are and being alive. I just love that. So I hope the audience has a great time and just goes away with that.
2: Yes. Erez, what about you? I love that we live in a city where a festival like this can happen and just be upbeat, a fun festival to highlight how wonderful it is to be in this community. Hopefully one day a festival like this can be that way everywhere in this country. Oh absolutely
0: absolutely, and then finally jimmy the 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 person in charge <laughs> <laughs> what is the message or thought you hope people take away from this year's queerly festival? I mean I
1: feel like I feel like y'all kind of covered it the, yeah, you know, frigid is we try to make it be a space for everyone, you know, asterisks, except for like Nazis and Proud Boys and shit like that. I mean, we did kick somebody out of Frigid Fringe for being blatantly transphobic. So like, you know, when we say everyone is welcome here, you know, as long as you're bringing, you know, some respect and an open mind, that sort of weird little caveat. But yeah, you know, I do want to like have people seeing more even more diversity in the space, seeing more more kinds of people represented. I want people to be able to come in and be like, oh, you know, like I can kind of see myself in this show. You know, maybe I could also see myself in this space, either as an audience or a performer and just, you know, keep keep expanding our family of of artists and audience members. And you know remind people that like, yeah, shit's bad, but that doesn't mean that like we don't still deserve to just like have a good time. And, and, you know, celebrate ourselves yeah. and our accomplishments. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, I want to finally ask in this first part, who do you all
2: hope have access to the show? eras if I can start with you on that. As many people as possible. Uh, we have a bingo card that we started doing in our last couple of festivals, which has been a lot of fun. So people, if they can get a bingo, we give them a free drink. So we're trying to get people to come see more than just their friends show when they come to the festival. And and we hope they do. But also now we're, we're streaming all of our things and, and 15% of our audience is people who can't come to the theater for whatever reason. And uh, that's, helped us open the doors to people that we can't physically open the doors to, whether it's it's because they just can't make it up the stairs or they live in Florida. And and we hope that, you know, this little measure of accessibility will do for now until we can actually have a space where really everybody can physically make it into.
0: Yeah. And I I got to say, I, I can vouch for the bingo card thing. It is <laughs> very, very cool. It was a lot of fun doing that during the Frigid Fringe. So... That's something very much to look forward to with this. Martha, yeah. what about you? Who do you hope have access?
3: Well, I'm hoping we can connect with the community in the Lower East Side, especially, and have everyone that is lives, I mean, everyone, as we are saying, we're streaming and everyone comes from different places of the city, but especially the people that are around, we want to connect with you, we want to connect with the community that lives around there, that works around there. So I'm hoping that they would come and check us out. And what I love about the streaming thing is I'm I'm from Mexico. And whenever I do something that is streaming, my family in Mexico gets to see it. So you know what, we can connect with other countries, not only other cities and states, we can connect with other countries. So that is very exciting. Uh, So we will be promoting that so that people everywhere can watch it.
0: Very cool. And finally, our curator,
1: Jimmy Lovett, who do you hope have access to the festival? I mean, I do, I do love the sort of quintessential, you know, queer kid in the middle of nowhere stumbles across queer media and like gets to have a moment story, which, you know, I hope that the We're streaming not every show, but almost every show. So I hope that maybe somebody will just kind of stumble into it and get to have that moment. But, you know, I'm definitely excited for getting more folks from the trans non-binary gender divergent community in, getting more people of color in, like pretty much everything. A lot of the queer narratives that we see are very, very white. Um, And that's just not how the world is. So I'm... I'm excited for people to get to see themselves, see other people, tell their friend who might not come otherwise. Be like, oh, shit, you know, I saw this show that, like, really reminded me of you. You should come and check it out.
0: I love that. I, I-, I lied. I got to slip one more question in here,
1: and it's for you, Jimmy. Is there a theme for this year's festival? Not really I mean, there's sort of the, you know, kind of a trans focus, kind of a, a positive focus. We do, if I can like promo one show in particular, we, I'm teaming up with What Will the Neighbors Say? What would the neighbors say? I'm teaming up with What Will the Neighbors Say? Which is, fest- a, uh, it's a theater company that our festival coordinator, Sam, works with also. I had this idea that was like, oh, we should do some kind of a fundraiser show, but I've never really done anything like that before. And that's company does it like twice a year and we're already thinking about doing a like uh, a fundraiser for trans organizations about the same time so we have merged to to create this event that we are calling affirm this a fundraiser for trans liberation we're going to have <laughs> a bunch of performers we're going to have raffles sam's already gotten some very cool stuff and they're working on getting some more donations for that so like It's not that everything quite spirals out around that one point, but I think that I'm hoping that that night will really, like, sort of crystallize the the vibe that I'm going for.
0: Normally on the second half of our show, you know, we we give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests. But again, y'all are like family at this point. I <laughs> think our, our listeners could recite the the answers for the next few questions back to us. So I want to actually change up these questions. And I want to start by asking you all, what got you into theater? What inspired you to go into theater? And Eras, if I can start with you on
2: that. I have to be honest. For me, it was just an... an- accident of life you know I, I was here in New York I was doing some other things that weren't as interesting and the opportunity came up to run a theater which had been a completely <laughs> new thing to me so I was like okay let's try that see how where that goes and it's been going for 25 years and it's been a lot of fun I can't imagine my life without it
1: I love that Jimmy. what about you oh I was I, I think it's genetic this was inescapable for me. My parents are both theater people. my stepmom and stepsister are theater people. I learned to climb stairs as a as a small child because my father was working on a set at a a school and was like, oh, I'll just leave the kid here. it'll be fine And then I found my way to the top of the stairs out the auditorium i I I claimed for years that I was not going to major in theater, uh, which technically I didn't because my school didn't have majors because I went to Hampshire, which is like hippie school in the woods, <laughs> but I did focus in theater. It just, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's always there. It, I keep coming back to it. It's like, I don't know. in, in, in on one sense, it's like, well, it's just kind of where I've always been, but also it's where I've always like felt is the correct place to be. Oh,
0: that's wonderful. And Martha, what about you?
3: I feel like it was different steps. But when I definitely like made it a career choice, if you can call it that, I was working as a teacher in Mexico and I was, someone invited me, someone invited to like an acting, acting classes that would happen at 3 p.m. on a Friday after working all week with teenagers as a, as a teacher. I was so tired. The Yucatan is very hot, so there was no AC and this theater so this theater class was like hundred degrees, hundred percent humidity, no AC. I was tired, it was 3 p.m. on a Friday. I was hungry and I was the happiest. I was the happiest. I was like all stress, all worries, all like anything that was wrong would just disappear because we got to play, like a group of people got to play together. And that's when I realized that that's what I wanted to do with my life.
0: Ah, the power of theater there. i got to tell you, that's some (laughs) acting class because if it had been me, I would have been like, no, I hate everyone (laughs) with everything. (laughs) Get over here and (laughs) stew. Well, I have to ask, has anyone seen any great theater lately they might be able to recommend to our listeners? Well,
2: I I saw a kids show that we uh, just opened last weekend and I I ran the first one and it was very good. I I really enjoyed it. It was a full house, full of kids who were engaged and enjoying it, and some wonderful performers on stage, and it was seeing the next generation of our audience get hooked.
1: <laughs> oh, that show was just charming as heck! Like yeah. oh, <laughs> Maestro so Musical Box, I believe. Maestro's yeah. magical Ma-
2: musical Ma- box. Music.
1: Yeah. Yes. Live.
3: Yes.
0: Live.
3: Right. Yeah. I, I saw. Oh. And now, of course, I cannot remember the name of the show, but it's about the the Booth family, the Booth family. Yeah. They One of them shot Lincoln. What's mm-hmm.
0: their name? Uh, uh, Edwin. John Wilkes Booth shot them, but they mm-hmm. were Edwin
3: and John Wilkes, the acting, yep. So there's uh, uh, the Spit and Vigor. Uh, it's a theater company, and they did a show at this, the Players the Players Club, mm-hmm. a, a place that is like... I'm butchering all of this information.
2: The players club Club used to be Edwin's Edwin Booth's house.
3: Exactly. That's okay. So I saw I saw Spit and Vigger's play, and I cannot remember the name of the play, but it was about about Booth family. Oh my god. And we were sitting around like in not they were not on stage, but like the audience was around them. And it was wonderful. They did such a great, a great performance and being in that house was really magical in the, in the players. I also saw, I just saw Seinfeld, the musical parody and (laughs) I had a great time. (laughs) So if you're, if you're you're fans of Seinfeld, it was a really good parody. They have a good parody that are either in previews or opening soon. It's a great fun, fun times. Well,
0: i now want to ask, what changes would you like to see made in the theater? hopefully sometime soon or if not in the future. And I'm gonna start with Jimmy on this one.
1: I feel like diversity is like always gonna be my answer, diversity and accessibility. You know, there's the the way that like the New York theater scene exists in these like, these tiers of like Broadway, Broadway, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway, and people just keep putting offs on there (laughs) if you let them, which is wild. And then in London, it's basically like the West End, end of story, like end of sentence. And I I would love to see more of that kind of, I don't know what the word is, the only word I can think of is crossfade. But like more of this blending and like this is something that Martha's talked a lot about of having people come to New York, not just to see Broadway, but to just see theater, whether that's, you know, a big musical or like a weird indie thing or, you know, just something that you stumbled across on, you know, timeout or whatever your, your media of choice is. And rather than having this like very divided system that is, I don't think, really good for the sort of economy of theater or, or for the, the community and the people who work in the theater world. I think it, it keeps us very sort of stuck in our little zones. Yes. Oh my gosh. Say it again for the people
0: in the back. Martha, what about you? What do you uh, hope? What changes uh, are you hoping?
3: Yeah, I, I'm going to piggyback on that. About the, I would love, this is very specific. I would love people that come visit to New York to come to indie theater as an experience. And that is my dream that the weird new, and we always use this word weird, but because I think we want to separate it from like, flashy Broadway but it's not it's not weird in a bad way it's different it's something you've never seen it's something that's going to challenge the things you've seen and you're used to seeing so those little indie indie productions that they become a must do a a thing to do in New York so I would love that for everyone that comes to New York and everyone that lives in New York I mean I, I feel like New Yorkers do do watch a lot of indie theater but for everyone to have that in their bucket list like you have to try You have to try this food, you have to do this thing, you have to go to an indie play produced by Frigid. <laughs>
0: yes, yes, get that plug in. <laughs> Finally, Ares, what about you?
2: Uh, you know, so I'll take the funding. <laughs> so, Fair. I, you know, funding needs to improve for the arts in general, all over this country. I, I, I have to say, in New York, it's it's wonderful. This The city knows the value of of the arts it does it's you know this is a city that makes money in a lot of different ways and it knows that theater is the second biggest engine in new york city after wall street after money <laughs> so it, 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 and and it shows that in the funding some years not every year it's always the first thing to get cut when cuts need to happen and i would like for that to not be the case. The state has shown in the last couple of years that it understands the pain of losing theater and it's funded accordingly. And I would love for that to become a more national effort. You know, it would be great if people outside of very specific localities in this country uh, to have access to funds to help create more more artists to have to train our artists, to help provide our artists that we train with work when they leave the city. It, it's a very important part of, of society, uh, performing arts. Uh, and, and it needs to get more support than it's getting.
1: Amen. Amen. Uh, even, even- A, a lot of the
2: support is, we do get, a lot of the support we do get is, it, it's tied to individual rich people who, Choose what art gets supported, and it would be great if it was spread more evenly with uh, less concern for who the those people want to support
1: even here there was there was quite the debate in Albany about the state funding for the arts that was the the original proposal like I slashed the budget in half I think um, which thankfully is not what went through but it was largely due to a lot of artists putting in a lot of free labor so that they would, you know, could keep paying their staff and themselves and, you know, keep their doors open. Well, I have to ask my favorite question, which is what
0: is one of your favorite theater memories? I know you've all shared several with us, but I thought what is one more of your favorite theater memories?
2: So it was Tech Week for one of the most fun shows that we've ever done hostage song uh, what a team it was, was clemy cloud chapman the pumpkin pie show who's been doing shows with us for 20 over, almost 25 years and he just recently had a major movie out with uh, jordan peele he wrote some of it the director of that show directed what the constitution means to me and the, the musical director is the person that wrote SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical. So, like, this was really a dream team. At The time out in New York at the time called them the dream team of Off Off Broadway Theater. It's really uh, Kyle Jarrow, Oliver Butler, and Clay McLeod Chapman. It was great. Tech was going rough that day, and we were trying to get a specific sound, and we weren't, it wasn't working, wasn't working, but eventually we got there, and it was just a very frustrating. 10-hour tech day. And then I went to Lion King with my dad. It was my first Broadway show in many years. It was my last one for almost 20 years. And there was a tech malfunction. There was this guy running, a whole group of people running with birds hanging from a stick. And one of the birds fell off the stick onto this lake of of, of fabric. And I saw the guy running, looking back, with this (laughs) frightened look on his face. And I was like, this is going to be good. (laughs) the lake was supposed to disappear into a hole in the stage which like it just gets pulled in and the whole thing just sucks in which would look amazing if there wasn't this bird stick stuck in the middle of this hole and so now like half the lake is gone but the rest of the lake is there and there's this bird in the middle of the stage for like 30 seconds until finally it goes under and the whole lake disappears it it was so wonderful to see something like that happen at like a Broadway show where people paid hundreds of dollars for tickets. It made me feel much better about how our tech day went.
0: <laughs> uh, Those poor kids in the audience were like, why is there a
2: bird just drowning
0: in the lake? Is nobody going to help it? <laughs> that is
2: amazing. Oh was a lot of fun. Wow. It made my night. It made my night. It made the rest of the text easy. <laughs>
0: I'm serious. You have got to write a book with all these memories. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who would like to go next? Who wants to follow the Lion King's dying birds? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I have, I feel like I have. It's hard to choose one fun memory, and I'm sure I've told here a couple because theater is that, right? It's so many fun. Memories, so many wonderful moments when you're like oh yeah that's why that's the reason I do this but when I was when I was back in Mexico we were having this production it was like a Greek comedy that someone had written and was mixing like Mexico City culture with the Yucatan Peninsula culture but the thing is that we were like an ensemble and no one wanted to play the statue so I got stuck with playing a statue and I had to I had to stand, they covered, they, I was covered in paint and I had to stand for the whole production. I just had to be there. Like one of those people in Times Square, I just had to be there still in the on stage. And I had like a little monologue. And I remember that I would just complain about my role, the painting and all of that to the audience that was sort of part of it. And the audience loved it. And it was really funny. And I remember thinking there are no, like it, it is true that there are no small parts that like you can sometimes be stuck with. You can sometimes be stuck with like a part that perhaps you didn't want or that you feel that it's too small. And then and then you make a great impression in the audience and, and you have fun doing it. So just being a part of a theater production, however big or small your part feels, it's just it's just an amazing feeling.
0: I love that. I'm sorry you had to be covered in paint,
3: and then you. <laughs> oh my! It wouldn't God. come off. It wouldn't come off for a week. It would take days to come
1: off. I would see it in my pores. It was really funny. It was really.
3: Funny. A- oh, oh.
0: well, Jimmy, what about you?
1: I mean, I guess I'm just gonna uh, carry on my my queer diversity crusade uh, with this one. My my partner and I went to go see Head Over Heels on Broadway, just completely blind. We were like, it's a musical, it's a jukebox musical for somebody, and they wear old timey clothes and maybe talk kind of Shakespearean. Uh-huh. We got to, it was today ticks. Like, how about I it? Be? Well, if it's bad, whatever. Not only did I discover that I actually know a lot of songs by The Go Go's, but it was it was for me that moment of, oh my god, like I've never seen this kind of representation from like my community on stage really at all, certainly never on that level of, you know, we have a trans character played by a trans actor. Like that, I mean, that shouldn't be impressive, but it was, (laughs) it was, and it was great. And there were like, also all of these like, more sort of like low key queer moments of you know people getting together and people like having the opportunity to sort of explore like their their gender and themselves and it all like it was all very positive nobody was like oh god my gay feelings what am i going to do it was just like oh my god like this is a different feeling that i've had but it's a really good feeling and it was just it was so i I barely made it through that show without just like completely breaking down I'm very sad that it did not do better because it's a great show but yeah just having that getting to have that moment of like oh my god like this is like a room full of people who like paid good money to come see a thing that has like people like me in it. <laughs> that was amazing! Thank you all
0: for sharing those incredible memories. I. Never a shortage of good memories from from this group. You guys are always delivering top-notch stories. So are there any uh, upcoming projects or productions that we can plug for any of you or for in New York?
2: May 18th coming up, which is uh, not this Thursday, but next Thursday is a show called Milk and Henny. It's been a monthly show that we've been running for a few months. It took a few months off and it's back Now, It's performance and film and poetry all put together on the stage. It's a a wonderful show. I've been enjoying it for a while now. And we have a special guest coming from L.A., Dylan Adler, who's been doing shows with us for a long time now. He's on The Tonight Show or one of those Tonight Shows. He's been performing. He's been writing there. Not writing right now. Uh, So he's going to be performing Thursday night as part of Milk and Henny. Uh, that should be a great show coming up.
1: We've also got a sort of a short run of a show called Emily Wilson Fixed about her experience being on X Factor when she was 15. And apparently it did not go super well. <laughs>
3: uh,
1: I never watched that show, so I, I like literally had to Google to see what it was. But there was great embarrassment on national television. <laughs> Wow. And we have a
3: show about it.
1: Yeah, and she's she's gonna be. Uh, <laughs> us if you want to meet somebody from X Factor, come on down to to St. Marks.
3: Um, and also, our well, um, we're very excited about our kids programming coming back on the weekends. We talked briefly about it. Maestro's Magical Music Box. <laughs> so if you have if you have kids, we're doing it Saturday and Sundays. Check out our website because no, it's not every Saturday and Sunday, but it's definitely this Saturday at noon and going forward is going to be Saturday and Sunday. So we're really excited for that one. It's going to be a great fun time for the family. And we're excited to have kids programming back.
1: And I think the uh, Saturday shows of that are going to have um, ASL interpretation. That also should be on the website. So, oh. and then the longer term, obviously we have uh, the Queerly Festival, she mentioned. After Queerly, we have the Little Shakespeare Festival, which is again, pretty much what it sounds like. It's Shakespeare, but small in yeah. USM because you can't have anything big there. I think the the vibe this year is gonna be more cent- centered around female Shakespearean characters and sort of the femme perspective in in those stories. And Martha, you have the,
0: the
3: telenovela she's Shakespeare- oh,
0: July, right?
3: Yes, yes, yes. The last two weekends of July, we're doing Hamlet in Spanish as a telenovela, like as a soap opera. And we are super excited for this one. We did not via Zoom in 2020. So we're putting it on stage. We got a grant to put it on stage. We are so excited. It's going to be in Spanish with English subtitles. And yeah, it's going to be a fun time.
0: Yes. Now there is one more event that's that's coming up that you guys had mentioned. What do you want to talk about that? The rent party? Are
3: we talking about the rent party? Star. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On May 25th at 8 p.m. at the Crane Theater, we are having a rent party. And for those of you who don't know what a rent party is, Eris can tell us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a party to pay the rent. We're going to have a few performances throughout the night, but it's going to be mostly a party. We have a beer and wine license, so we'll be selling drinks and we'll do a raffle and we're going to try to make as much money as we possible so we can pay the rent during this darker than normal May.
3: So, uh, yeah, so definitely Mays. We haven't had as many shows come to our space during May and we're asking the community to come to this party and help us out. With the cost of the rent, and it's gonna be a fun time, and there will be opportunities also to connect with people that are doing that are doing shows, and also if you have a show and are looking for a space, please check out Frigid New York because we have two spaces, and we're looking forward to working with people. And if you're an artist to looking for a space, reach out, please. Is
0: there a cover charge or anything for the rent party, or is it
1: just? Come as you are, buy a drink, enter the raffle, have a good time. It is just a uh, straight up donation-based ticketing. We have it up on our site if you wanna like, be sure you're gonna get in, cause it's not, it's not, it's in the crane, it's not a huge space. But yeah, it's donation-based situation.
3: And we're asking people to wear something fun. Especially if you're in the theater world, come as you are, and if you have something fun to wear, wear something fun, it's a party. I always wanted his cues to put on some wild makeup
1: and some fun costumes. Yeah. What's that weird thing in your closet you never get to wear, but always <laughs> wish you could? Like, wear that. <laughs> wear that. Be <laughs> that conversation
0: starter on the subway. <laughs> 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 well, on that note, I also understand there's one more big announcement coming out from Frigid New York. I, I guess, is, should you be the one to share this with us?
2: Uh, I'll be happy to. Uh, as we're taping this interview now, this press release has not gone out yet, but it will shortly. And by the time the interview is out, this will be public knowledge. We, our lease in the Crane Theater is up in December, and we're not going to renew it. Uh, we've been here for 25 years. October is literally 25 years. It was October 1998 that we started here, and a lot of things have changed over the last 25 years. You know, 25 years ago, the Crane was the only theater in the Fringe Festival that had air conditioning, (laughs) you know. Today, this is not the case. There's a higher expectation from our audience. There's a higher expectation from our artists for the services and the kind of venue that they're looking for. We're, we've been trying for years to figure out how to make this space accessible and somewhere near ADA compliance even and that's just not that's just not going to be possible without shutting down for a couple of years and and renovating the entire building, which we don't have the entire building and is not really like we've been trying we've been trying to figure out how we can make it work, if we can make it work. And the bottom line is that we just can't make it work. We need to start in a new shell. We're going to stay at St. Mark's. We still have 10 years on the lease over there. We just got a $25,000 grant from NISCA to upgrade our sound equipment over there. So the work we're going to be doing at St. Mark's is going to sound amazing soon and we're going to keep doing the work there we're going to do we've already found a home for our january fire Design festival just across the street here on fourth street we're starting to look for places for our frigid festival for our astro festival little shakespeare we've already moved to saint mark's this year and it'll just be there again next year queerly it would be great if we could have a couple of venues for it so we're going to see what what we can do about that and in the meantime we're going to look for a new space to bring back our bigger venue in a place that's just a little nicer a little allows us to do more things than we can now Uh, we've we've hit limits of what we can do with this space Mm. this space was a great performance space when we got here we trust that it will continue to be a performance space going forward. It just won't be ours.
0: End of an era. Wow. But a stepping stone. It's nice to know that though the crane will no longer be a frigid New York performance space, it's not the end of frigid New York, which is the, the important thing. I love hearing <laughs> you've got everything lined up for these these festivals that I can vouch for that I now (laughs) hold near and dear to my heart that I absolutely love. And I know that our listeners out there also love. Is there anything that our listeners or the public can do to assist Frigid New York right now as you all are looking for a new place?
3: Well, definitely Um, before we go, come to the crane. We will going to be there until December. So this is the time to do your show or to watch a show at the Crane Theater, definitely at both our spaces, but come to the Crane because we are here until December. So if you've been thinking about it, now is the time to do it.
1: This is your sign to do a show at the Crane. (laughs) (laughs) And if you happen to have a venue, preferably (laughs) one that is accessible and I don't know, has like a roof and stuff that you're looking to put a theater inside of, give us a call, <laughs> we'd love to talk about it.
3: No, I was just gonna say that we've always been talking about how the organization is for everyone and how the organization is for all the communities. So we want we want our theater to reflect that. We want everyone to be able to come in. And right now the accessibility has been um, an issue.
1: It's, the, the crane is in a like historically protected building. So it's not like we can just get rid of the stairs outside, we really would have to gut the entire building. And even if that were feasible, it would take like a minimum of three years, I should think. So we're going to try to find an outside to match our inside in a new nest for the penguin. Yay.
2: As we're looking around the city today, there has not been this much empty commercial space in New York City for 50 years. This is this is the moment to find a space. We we just need the accessibility uh, that we don't currently have, and and there's not going to be a better time to look than now.
0: Yeah, especially now that a lot more buildings are accessible than they were 25, 50 years ago, too. So right. yeah, this is a stepping stone. This is an opportunity. This is not. Not a sad necessarily end. Like we don't want to end our episode on a sad note. This is more of a a transition, and we're excited. Hopefully, here we'll we'll have you all on shortly in the next month or so. And and when we have you all back,
1: it'll be guess what? You know, we're we're very excited to be able to sort of start this journey, and and we're very excited about a future where we will be able to have a better space to offer to our artists and to our audience, to our staff, just to, to the indie arts community. We're hoping that we're going to be able to, you know, it's it's going to be sad to leave the crane, but I think we're going to be able to turn around and, and offer something much better and and needed.
3: Yeah. There's a lot of history there. So we, we do welcome all feelings that come with these news, but we're here and we're staying here for the foreseeable future.
0: Well, finally, if our listeners want more information about, of course, the Queerly Festival or about any of you, they might want to reach out to you. Perhaps they want to do a show at The Crane. How can they
2: do so? Frigid.nyc is our website. And there's a link there with our rental prices, with our co-production agreements, with our calendar to see what dates are actually currently available. And just go ahead and pick one and we can take it from there.
1: Uh, I think we are frigid New York across the social media universe. You can also follow Queerly Festival specifically if you feel like it. And yeah, I mean, you just email frigid, not frigid. What is it? You can email uh, office at frigid.nyc, and we will all see that. If you want to hunt any of us down specifically, it's all just first name at frigid.nyc. Jimmy, Martha, Aris. It is
0: always amazing to talk to you and to see your lovely faces
3: <laughs> thank uh, you so I, much for having us yeah
0: i appreciate you taking the time so thank you for sharing everything about the Queerly festival the bittersweet news about the crane but also all the exciting things that come
3: so thank you so much
2: thank you thank you thank, thank you. you
3: and we will see you at this rent party on may 25th my guests today have been
0: the curator of the 2023 Queerly Festival and co-artistic director for Frigid New York, Jimmy Lovett, the co-artistic director of Frigid New York, Martha Lorena Preve, and the artistic director for Frigid New York, Eric Ziv. They joined me to talk about this year's 2023 Queerly Festival, which is June 15th through July 3rd at Under St. Mark's and the Crane Theater You can get tickets and more information by visiting frigid.nyc. The schedule's up there and everything. Make sure you get your tickets now. Let's make this a huge year for this festival. Sage Whisper will be there. We're going to release our schedule soon, so stay tuned for that. Also, with it being the final year of Frigid being at the Crane, if you're interested in putting on a show or seeing a show, visit their website to check out their prices and availability or to go check out another show that's playing at the Crane. Everything you need to know about this great organization and festivals is available at frigid.nyc. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez, reminding you to turn off your
3: cell phones,
2: unwrap your candies,
1: and keep talking about the theater.
3: In a stage whisper.
1: Thank you. Thank you.